And what's up? Welcome in. We are live. It is GC Live. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. Thank you for joining us. Friday episode. This may be a Friday free-for-all, not because um, we don't have anything to talk about, because there's actually plenty to talk about, Chris, but Friday free-for-all just because um, there is so much to talk about. We'll let y'all steer the conversation. But first, we got to tell you about our good friend Clint Hammond. He is our presenting sponsor here on GC Live each and every day. Uh, we are presented by Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com is where you can find him. 803-771 is how you can contact him. And he is, of course, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. His NMLS number is 71597. That's right across the road from Dreher High School is where his office is. And he can save you some money, maybe a refinance, maybe you're in the market, maybe you just got married, you want to buy a house. Call Clint up, let him find out uh, just how low of an interest rate you can get. So support Clint, support the show. Um, help us out there. Whew, Chris, there is no shortage of information um, or no shortage of things to talk about, I should say. Locally, yes, football team, ex- actually, one week from right now, we'll be talking about the first football practice, believe it or not, the first preseason football practice of the Shane Beamer era. Um, tomorrow, a huge recruiting event for South Carolina, the final recruiting event of the summer of what we've deemed the busiest summer in South Carolina football recruiting history. And then you zoom out a little bit, man. SEC expansion is here. Um, Ross Dellinger, who writes for Sports Illustrated, actually one of my favorite follows. I, I I don't get too much into all the, the national media stuff. I, you know, I, I actually usually prefer to read what local media is saying about particular teams. But Ross, for my money, Chris, one of the best followers out there and does as good a job as anybody out there of tracking what's going on in SEC land behind the scenes. But listen to this, man. He tweeted this sort of uh, his little quick breakdown. Day one, the story breaks. That was obviously the story. We believe it was leaked by Texas A&M. I think that's, that's the working theory, right? Story breaks. Day two. Oklahoma and Texas skip the Big 12 scheduled call uh, for member institutions. Day five, Oklahoma and Texas meet with the Big 12. Day six, Oklahoma, Texas notified Big 12 of their exit. SEC presidents call for a Thursday meeting. Day seven, Oklahoma and Texas call Friday meetings. Day eight, Big 12 sends cease and desist letter to ESPN. Day nine, SEC invites Oklahoma and Texas. Day 10, that's today. Oklahoma and Texas accept. Dude, uh, we we talked a lot about the ramifications of all this. I guess that was Monday. But I feel like we have to start the show with this because I mean it's it's all it is a it's all but official. Like it it is happening. And I feel like once it leaked, it was it was happening, but now it's really happening. And it's starting to sink in, man. I, Dude, I, I was thinking back to, like, honestly, all the, all the way back to my childhood when I first started watching college football and watching games on Jefferson Pilot Sports um, where it looked like you were watching on, you know, no matter where you were watching, it looked like you were watching on, like, a TV from 1975 or something. Um, I, I never thought we would see the day that Texas and Oklahoma – would be in the SEC. But here we are. And if if Texas and Oklahoma can join the SEC, 
then absolutely anything can happen. Yeah, it was funny, man. The, the timeline of all this, you know, when the I'll, I remember, I guess, 10 days ago now, according to your timeline, Ross's timeline there, when that report came out, honestly, my first reaction was to double check like the Twitter name because I was like, all right, this is one of those where somebody's taken. Uh, I cannot say Brent. I cannot say his last name, the reporter that broke the story from, I think, the Houston Chronicle. I'm not going to try it. But I think he was the one that initially had, I think, the first tweet, first story on this. And I'm like double checking and I'm like, all right, is this is this one of those like fake Adam Schefter type, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski type Twitter things? No. Then I read it and I was still he's a really good reporter. But I'm like, man, is this is this real? Like, is this a so the, the, the next place my head went is this has been percolating for a while. Right. This is not something that you just happens in 10 days or was the day before the report came out. Hey guys, what do y'all think about joining the SEC? Yeah, sure. This is almost like Wes and we dump out 10 content items for a commitment or something like it, it has been brewing for a while. And so that's been the interesting thing. Obviously you've got some of the different angles here with the ESPN television angle with uh, Bob Boldsby from the big 12, aside from his absolutely insane signature. Have y'all seen that? It's absolutely insane. Uh, the signature on his cease and desist letter, but him basically accusing ESPN of colluding. It's been a wild saga, but again, I'll go back to something that we kind of talked about on the last show. And that is this makes the SDC even more interesting. And we're going to be talking about, you know, all, all the implications. We've got a while to continue to talk about that, but I think this kind of may be the tip of the iceberg as to where things are heading you know, the expansion, the conference realignment, all those things have been going on for a while. You remember back in the day, Wes, Orange Buds from the Rivals Network all over ESPN because of the expansion talk back then. We saw Missouri and A&M enter the SEC. Now this move, lots of talk about the NCAA decentralizing, about the Power Five becoming even more powerful and kind of that struggle. The SEC making some moves here to make sure that it's at the forefront of, of this kind of revolution. Yeah. And uh, man, like, like you said, we, we could probably do a whole show based on what the ramifications of this uh, are not, not, I mean, how, there's so many different approaches you could take, like just from a South Carolina standpoint, from a South Carolina on the field standpoint, from an SEC standpoint, from a greater college football standpoint, does this mean we're headed towards the super conferences ultimately? Does this mean we're headed toward – does this mean the SEC is literally just going to take over? Like they're just going to basically be like – is it that far-fetched at this point? The, the SEC could basically replace the NCAA um, because the, the NCAAs, I mean, their days may be numbered. So, you know, there are a lot of different – like that sounds crazy to say, I know. But Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC. That's – that's not a sentence that I ever would have thought I would be saying. So well, we've seen the power consolidate more and more towards, you know, we've got, you got the power five now, Wes, but even among that, there's kind of this element of, of the rich being rich and even kind of some of the have nots of even the power five. Right. And like, there's this perception among like one that everybody's picking on lately. And we'll, we'll see if this changes, especially now with potential movement. You know, the Pac-12, 
it's kind of in some people's minds at least, or even if you just look some of the data, some of the numbers, it's kind of slipped, right? So the SEC, can they make a move? And they are making those types of moves to, you know, be in position to if this if this NCAA folding does happen in the next 10 years or sooner or whenever it does happen, now they're going to be poised and positioned to, like you said, be the power. What may happen. And uh, it's just it's fascinating to watch it play out and where it's going to go from here. Hey, Jason, what's up, man? Uh, Wes put this comment up earlier, but he actually says, booked my room at the Marriott on assembly this morning. Looking forward to the party and meeting y'all. Hey, appreciate you, Jason. And the party, for those of you, if you've been living under a rock and if you've heard this spiel, I apologize, but let's hear it again because it's exciting. We're going to continue talking about it. August 20th, Steel Hands Brewing in Casey on Foreman Street, near 12th Street, near, near downtown, near the Gervais Street Bridge, not far from any of that stuff. Come on out, GamecockCentral.com, preseason kickoff party in conjunction with our friends at Steel Hands Brewing. 7 o'clock is the official kind of party start time. We'll be out there a little bit before. 107.5 will be broadcasting live. The team at GamecockCentral.com will be out there. Special guests, prize giveaways, concert from Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir music beginning that night, 8, 8.30, something like that. VIP tickets probably going on sale early next week. Keep that in mind. Once we have a date, my hope is that Monday on the show, uh, we can say, hey, here's the link for VIP tickets. I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of that's kind of our goal for this whole deal. So uh, VIP tickets for that. Now, it is a free event. If you want to be a VIP, that's going to get you some perks. We'll release that. We'll release the ticketing process and all that. Probably sometime, like I said, early next week. But the party itself is totally free if you want to come on in. And what Jason was referring to earlier, we have actually three different hotels uh, that you can go to. Uh, three hotel partners that are sponsoring preseason kickoff party for us. You can find those links on GamecockCentral.com. I'll drop them here in the chat in a few minutes also. And you can go there and stay for a discounted rate that those folks have hooked us up with if you're coming in to the party. So look forward to seeing you all there again. And, yeah, I'll drop those links here momentarily in the chat. Wes, are you back? It appears you I, are. I don't know. I, I am on my end. That- that was weird. well. It was it was both of us at the same time. So I think somebody was conspiring against us. Probably, hey, probably somebody that's upset about us having a big preseason kickoff party. They didn't want us to talk about it. Maybe it was te- maybe it was uh, Bob Bowlesby. He might have not liked what we were saying about the Big Twelve. And well, has- with that with that signature, man, I don't know how you could trust that guy. Personally. <laughs> that's very true. I, um, you know, my signature is really bad. Um, I have kind of a Dr. S signature. It's kind of my first initial and just a line. That was bizarre. It was like it had a bunch of T's in it. And he doesn't have any T's in his name. Maybe Robert. Like, if he was he signing Robert Bowlesby, but Robert with like 12 T's instead of I, one. I, I really I, I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> hey, um, I'm dropping the uh, I'm dropping the link. To, that I was, Wes, I was, I was teasing a little bit earlier, not teasing. I was talking a little bit earlier about our hotel deal with our fine partners from the folks at Marriott. 
um, three different hotel options. I just dropped them in the link there uh, on Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter on Periscope. If you want to check that out, that's your discounted rates. If you want to come in, if you're going to be having yourself some beverages at Steel Hands Brewing on August 20th for the preseason kickoff party, make sure you give those guys uh, the first look at your business if you're going to be checking out a hotel that night. Yeah, so you you got a you got a discount there, and you get to help support a sponsor that is making this um, event possible. I gotta say, Chris, I have a whole new appreciation for people that uh, that plan events, like event planners. I like hats off to you. There, there's a lot that goes into this stuff, but I think it's gonna be an awesome event, and I look forward. I think somebody was posting earlier that they would see us there. Hopefully we have a bunch of people from the show, from the site, from from all from all our different media platforms that, that come out and, and have a good time. And again, I want to make it clear, it's not just a Gamecock Central event. Our name is on it, but it is a South Carolina Gamecock fan event. You don't have to be a subscriber. You don't even have to be a reader, although we hope after you come out, you'll, you'll maybe read some of our stuff. But all Gamecocks everywhere are invited to the event, and we've got uh, some cool, what I think will be some cool stuff planned for all of you. Um, let's see. So are, are, we, are we still on Texas, Oklahoma? Or are we moving on? Are we – where are you at? Let's, let's, move, on. let's move on. Yeah. We, we were where, where we were is you looked very serious for a while, but that was just because you were frozen. So then I pivoted to talking about the party uh, since Jason asked about it. And now we're just open book. You go wherever you want, man. Yeah, that that was the weirdest freeze we've ever had on here because it was like I realized I was frozen. Then I was like, "Well, wait, Chris is frozen." And I was like, "Is he frozen?" And I'm I had no idea what was going on. So, so media golf tournament yesterday, Chris. I and I, I posted a, a Carolina Confidential. Go read it if you haven't already. But I I think simple things. Um like having a media golf tournament go a long way with your local sports media. There, there was a, a bunch of guys that cover South Carolina out there. Um, entire assistant coaching staff was out there. Off the field coaches were out there. Frank Martin was out there. Um, everybody was out there. Sterling Sharp was out there, which by the way, Sterling Sharp, being back around the program, it, it Chris, that's somewhat noteworthy, right? Like he uh, he's done events before, like that, like he's done other golf related events that were not specifically about South Carolina. He's played with Steve Spurrier in the past, but Sterling Sharp being out there, um, there were some guys on the PGA PGA Tour that were out there. Um, really cool event, but man, I I think things like this allowing your assistants to just hang out. And, uh, and and talk ball a little bit. You know, they, they were there during the lunch part, so there was some just chatting. Then there was some on-the-record stuff after that. I, I think things like this actually do go a long way with establishing a relationship between football program and media. And then I think you take that, that helps establish a connection with your fan base when – when people feel like they can tell the stories of, of your program, I think. Yeah. And I think this is, I can't speak for the entire fan base, but the, the vibe that I'm kind of picking up Wes, just from our side of observing it is I would wager that this fan base feels 
as connected to the program as they have in a long time, maybe ever. I mean, even Steve Spurrier, the reason you felt connected to the program was Steve Spurrier's because it is a little bit different. You know I mean? He, he was good with the media and that he could deliver some one liners and things like that. Um, He also had some press conferences that were not that pleasant of experiences, right? There, there, there were plenty of those as well. Um, But the team was winning, right? That, that was a big part of it is for many of the years, the good, the good years that everybody's choosing right now to remember um, the golden age. Like that's when you feel connected to the program. I think you feel most connected when things are going well and when you do have these different outlets. And so right now, I mean, look, everything's positive. But South Carolina, no matter who the coach is, there's going to be a new, there was going to be a new coach this year. Things would be more positive probably right off the bat because this team has not kicked the ball off, you know, so there's not any chance to talk about how much you're throwing it to a certain person or why'd you call this play or why are you losing or whatever. Those things will come in time. Um, and, and we'll see where things go from there. But in addition to that, kind of the honeymoon period, you, you do have a coach in Shane Beamer who, Wes, in my opinion, out of all the coaches I've covered, interacted with, I think he understands media probably better than any of them as far as how he runs it. He, he does use it to his advantage. Some coaches are in the middle of that. Some are completely opposite. And there are varying levels of success with all those coaches. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win games. Um, but there are some advantages to doing it. And I think he understands that having the golf tournament in addition to the media that, that got to participate, it's just yet another outlet for the fans, you know, to, to read about the coverage and see it and think that it's neat and feel connected to the program. And I think that's really important right now, you know, for fans to feel connected to this program. So Chris, there, there was a little bit of, I don't know. I don't know if you would say news, but there were some newsy things, um, at least from the. Basically, you're going into preseason practice now, so you're sort of getting the preview questions where Beamer's talking about what he sees from the team going in. Um, assistants spoke for the first time in a while, and I, I primarily focused on um, Satterfield and Clayton White because I think that's something we're still all kind of getting a grasp on. What's the offense going to look like? What's the defense going to look like? And, you know, even more so how – what does Satterfield want the offense to look like in a perfect world compared to what does it have to look like based on current personnel, right? So I I, I thought that Heath Klein from 107.5 had an excellent question for Marcus Satterfield. And he, he said if, if a fan were to go – pull up YouTube and wants to watch some videos of offenses to give them a feel for what South Carolina is going to be offensively. What would they search for? What, where, where would they be going to, to get a good idea, at least get somewhat of an idea of what to expect. And Satterfield, I could actually, the way, the way he kind of smirked, you could actually tell he appreciated the, uh, the question, but Chris, he said that first, this is the order he said it. He said you'd have to watch LSU in 2019. That's the Joe Brady influence we're, we're talking about. He said then you'd have to watch P.J. Walker and the Temple offense in 2015 that, that he ran. So th- this is still talking season, so we're going to read into things. I, I think there was a reason he mentioned those two first. 
Because then he said you'd have to watch, and he used the words, I think, a little bit. He said you'd have to watch a little bit of the Panthers last year. You'd have to watch a little bit of Oklahoma. So we, we've heard quite a bit about this being a, a, a pro-style offense. And, you know, so I, I think Joe Brady's style with some of those P.J. Walker elements to take advantage of Luke Doty's legs, then throw in some Oklahoma, throw in a little bit of the, you know, whatever they were doing with the Panthers last year compared to what they were doing at LSU, you know, the year before. And that, at least from a big-picture standpoint, seems to be what what South Carolina's offense is going to be. Now, I also took away that when he was asked about throwing the football down the field, he almost got visibly upset about the mere thought of uh, Dinkin Dinkin and Donkin, as as he said it. He said, we're "We're not going to dink and donk down the field. Um. So, I know there are some South Carolina fans out there who remembered a lot of Dinkin and Duncan last year. We un- we understood some of it, right? I some of it was just personnel. But Satterfield also defended the wide receivers and said, "Look, you can't expect receivers to do something if you don't ask them to do it and teach them how to do it." So. Um, he he sort of defended this. I mean, we're part of the narrative too. The narrative that you know the receivers are a big question mark. That now that's not saying they're not still a question mark because they are. But he, I think he he really wanted to make it clear. Hey, this is not a West Coast offense. This is a pro style offense that's going to deliver the football down the field. Yeah, that that was interesting. One of the more interesting takeaways on the day because. lot in this offense now South Carolina will pare it down um, you know during preseason camp week to week uh, based on the game plan and we know that they've you know all the teams you mentioned LSU Panthers um, Oklahoma elements which Shane Beamer's talked about a lot in Satterfield too and we know that they've studied other NFL teams this offense uh, or this offseason rather so they're going to loop all that in but the part about the receivers was interesting because kind of on its face um, it's easy to look at it and say, well, South Carolina is going to have to play to its strengths. That means running backs, tight ends, you know, maybe some quarterback run with Luke Doty. And then the receivers, you just kind of wonder about, okay, what are they going to be able to do? And it's pretty evident that Satterfield is really making a point of emphasis. This doesn't mean he's going to force it, but that they've got to have a vertical presence down the field. That They've got to be able to do that. And we saw last season South Carolina did not have that. I mean, it's something they really struggled with. Uh, getting open deep, connecting on deep balls. They just had a lot of issues with it. Now, part of that you're going to have to solve with recruiting. Again, um, you're going to have to keep some guys healthy. You're going to have to develop some guys you already have. One thing that it's I can certainly see what Satterfield is saying is that they do have more receiver talent than has shown on the field the past couple of years or past few years. I'll go to my grave saying that. Um, there's just a lot of different reasons. I think that it has not played out that way that we could probably do a whole show on. Um, but that's not to say they're going to automatically, they're going to turn around and have this great receiving core this year. I'm not saying that, like you said, still very much a question mark, but can they get more out of them? Maybe so. And part of that is 
you know, how do you, how do you scheme things up? Are you giving your guys some opportunities downfield? Are you willing to take those chances? And it seems like that's something that they're they're definitely willing to do. Yeah, Satterfield, he he's got sort of a unique confidence about him, doesn't he? Like he he's got a uh, he is very uh, confident, I believe, in uh, in what he's going to do uh, offensively. And you know, I, I would encourage everyone if you if you are really into that stuff, like scheme and and trying to figure out what it's going to look like. I would encourage you to go watch that video. It is on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central or on GamecockCentral.com. It's a free video. Go check it out because I thought I thought there was some very real insight. You know, Beam, G, Beamer generally sort of just kind of – because Sterling Sharp asked the first question of the, the official press conference, what's the offense going to look like? Beamer, for the most part, has not given a ton of details other than to say we're going to pull from, from different places. I thought that um, Satterfield provided a little bit more detail on his mindset, on what he's thinking uh, of where this thing is moving forward. And, you know, I, I think you look again, and I, I think it you, you have to remember, Chris, and I already saw somebody posting in, in my confidential um, about sort of buying into the hype. When, when it's all going to be positive right now. It just is. But, I think we're also we're going to try to point out the concerns to you. But yes, everyone's going to be excited. But you're also talking about relativity. Like th- these things are a positive relative to these concerns on the team. That doesn't mean when you get out there and face Georgia that you're going to be able to go up and down the field and all them offensively. Um, but are, you know, are there some reasons Satterfield should feel confident, like long-term that he has some pieces he can work with on this offense? You know, yes, certainly. I, I thought Chris, he sounded very positive about Luke Doty. And I would say well beyond this, this just normal coach speak that, that caught my attention. A, a coach at this time of year, in most cases, is going to try to build their guy up unless their guy hasn't been doing what he was supposed to do off the field. In, in my experience, do, do you agree with that, Chris? Like, oh yeah, yeah. If, for sure. if, now, if the kid's not putting in the work, maybe you see. I'm going to challenge the guy a little bit. I'm going to use the media to challenge. We saw Spurrier do that all the time. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, he'd throw guys directly under the bus, <laughs> but you know, otherwise. You're going to see coaches be positive. But he he went a step further and said, I think he, he being Luke, I think Luke has a chance to be an upper echelon player at quarterback in the SEC. Uh, that caught my attention. And he also sort of reiterated something he said before, something we've talked about before. Luke Doty is actually a beautiful passer of the football. Like it, the ball comes out with an excellent touch. He's got a great throwing motion. Um, gave a little detail. They're they're tweaking the lower body as far as some of his mechanics go, but he he's very high on Luke while also pointing out, hey, he's still he's essentially a freshman, so we we all have to remember that as well. Two and a half games, Wes, like you always say, and <laughs> when you remind me, uh, so yeah, th- there is this is a guy that in some ways I think he's just scratching the surface. He's got a lot more upside. This isn't a guy that has played in. 25 games and he's a junior 
and then you, there's still some questions and you're sitting there going, I, I can he do it or not? Um, with Luke, you knew, you know, with this guy that there's talent, the intangibles, he has all those things as far as leadership ability, toughness, like he's got all that stuff. We know he can throw the football, like he can make the throws. He's a, he's a very naturally gifted passer. Satterfield said it, then he said it back in the spring. He had some similar comments, took it kind of a step further this time. And then we know he's a very athletic kid. So the toolbox, like it's there. It's just about honing in on those things and continuing developing them. And he's got a lot of time to do that. Um, he's going to be doing it against, you know, a challenging schedule as always South Carolina plays, but um, a guy that's limited very much on experience in terms of just being a starter or even being around, you know, the football program at the quarterback position in college for a long time. So that should be an encouraging sign. Wes, to go back to the point on, you know, the, the hype thing, I, I don't think, I, you know, I, I can't speak, I won't speak internally for the team right now. I think they're going to take the approach or they expect to be productive on offense, which is fantastic. You know, I don't think for our part at Gamecock Central, we're hyping up the offense. Um, this offense needs to be productive in, in the sense of they're not going to go up and down the field on people. I don't think we expect that. We haven't reported that. I don't think there's any expectation that'll happen. But saying things like, hey, stylistically, here's going to be the emphasis or here's what it could look like or this, these are the guys that have a chance to take a step forward. I don't, I don't think that's really hyping, just kind of saying where things are. Um, there are going to be some players that have good showings this year. There are going to be some disappointments this year. I think you just kind of have to look at it as a, as a total picture and in trying to assess it in this preseason because there are so many questions still on this team, whether it's offensive structure, philosophy, scheme, or even individual players and how they're going to do. Yeah, and I, I think um, let, let's hit on one thing that somebody in the comments said. Um, Frederick said it makes a decent point. There are not enough deep pass plays attempted last season. You must do that to help your running game be more efficient. Chris, I – I you know I, I don't know if you can like you said you're not you're not going to force a bunch of deep balls, but in some cases you don't even have to be necessarily successful with deep balls, right? You've got to at least throw them, like you've got to at least put them in the minds of that defensive coordinator, in the minds of that cornerback, um, or those cornerbacks, I should say. Like you got to at least make it something that the other team has to think is even a possibility. I mean, now you you probably, if you're really going to be efficient, you need to hit some of them. Like, that, that's probably a requirement. But you're not going to hit them if you don't throw them. And sometimes that's just about letting a guy go make a play. Like, throwing it up, letting him go make a play. And, you know, Beamer, Beamer talked, what was that, after? I can't remember which scrimmage it was. But he said, look, need more explosive plays. That has been the focus all offseason. The focus in player-run practices has been to get the football down the field. So if you're you're South Carolina, you're probably not going to magically become some team that just does that on a very consistent basis. But it's not going to be for lack of trying. And I do think that is something that can be developed if you put enough attention into doing it. And to me, Sat- Satterfield seems like a guy who is going to a- identify strengths and weaknesses. And then whatever those weaknesses are, 
all a large portion of the focus is going to be on fixing those. Look at Doty in the spring when they basically said, don't run. Like you cannot run the football. Your your legs are tied. You have to throw the football on these plays. Going into player run practices, they said, we're not dumping the football off. We're not even working on the short game for the most part. Get the football down the field. That that's something that also receivers get excited about. So maybe, you know, I, I don't want to say there was some I don't want to say that there was necessarily some shade in there from Satterfield, but I'm not saying there wasn't either. Because Chris, did you hear the that we're gonna we're gonna teach these receivers to do some things they haven't done before? Did, yeah. you, did you catch that? Satterfield, Satterfield's an interesting guy. Uh, I think in the media with some things that he'll say, I, I kind of go back to the spring when he said, you know, he made the comment about the retread comment. Um, you know, we're not a bunch of retreads. We're hungry and things like that. And, yeah, he'll kind of say what's on his mind. Uh, he doesn't really hold back and say, let me let me kind of make sure I don't say something. Not that he's going out there saying a bunch of controversial things at all, but He'll say it, you know, I think he says what he thinks and, and means what he says. And so, yeah, that he's, he's definitely, I don't know if it was intended shade or not, but I think he was just pointing out that, Hey, there are going to be some new concepts uh, that, that these guys are going to learn again. I, so here's what I go back to. We know that this offense is, it's going to have a lot in it as far as the possibilities that the size of the playbook uh, can be big. Now, what will they carry game to game? We don't know, but they are studying lots of different concepts and bringing in a lot of different things. And so with that, um, with this pro style kind of very versatile offense, uh, there are going to be some things that these players have not done. And that's really, I think that might be at every position. You know, you talk about what they what they were asked to do at quarterback last year versus this year, there's going to be some differences. Same thing with receiver. And I think he probably meant at least with some of those things, Wes, is some of the deep concepts that they're going to be running. Now, people don't need to hear that and automatically think, okay, awesome, they're going to be airing the ball out left and right. You still have to do have success, and part of it is just going to be stretching the field with, like you said, Wes, giving the threat of, of that vertical presence is something that you have to have. Yeah, tra- Travis says there were plenty of deep passes last year. We just did not catch them. There, You know <laughs> – I don't know. I'm, I might push back on that, Travis. And I, I know Travis looks at things from a, a football coach's mindset. And I, I respect, I respect that and his insights he provides, but I would love to see, I wonder if SEC StatCat has something because we've had him on the show. Y'all remember that last year? I think that was last year we had him on. Um, dude is phenomenal at giving you breakdowns on, on specifics like that. I wonder what the average depth of throw was for South Carolina. Not average completion, because that that pretty much would take out the missed balls down the field. Average depth of throw to where what what passes are actually going down the field, which what passes are not, compared to the rest of the SEC. My guess, Chris, is that South Carolina would have been pretty dang low on that totem pole last year. And not that – Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna effort something on that. Let me let me check out a couple of our resources here and see if I can find something. We'll get a good answer on it. I hope. We'll yeah, see. I just I, I I know again. I know why Bobo did not do it. Some of it was as as good as the O line was in run blocking. 
they weren't great in pass pro. And the more teams realized basically what South Carolina had on the outside at, at receiver, the more they realized that they could they could man press, they could they could get to the quarterback. And South Carolina didn't really have um, necessarily uh, the skill set to, to make it happen or were not put in a position to make it happen, however you want to say it, whichever was the biggest determining factor in that. Teams knew South Carolina was not going to hit passes down the field. So then that was able to – that put them in a position where uh, teams were able to crowd the box, teams were able to – to it, it sort of it makes it even tougher on you offensively to to go down the field when um, teams are able to get that type of pressure up front. Chris, are you uh, having any luck in that effort? No luck yet. I'm going to check out SEC Stat Cut. I'm going to check out PFF as well because they have sometimes some interesting metrics. I can't remember if they've got one on that, um, and there are a couple of different ways I think you can kind of measure that, but nothing yet. I'll see if I can come up with it by the end of the show. If not, then maybe I can get it for next time, Wes, and we'll uh, put something on Gamecock Central and have something for the show. Okay, yeah, that'll be good, man. Um, all right, Chris, so uh, now let's try this. Let's let's push it forward. Carolina Cookout on Saturday, and final big recruiting weekend of the summer. Essentially what happens is after Saturday, recruiting is shut down again for about a month. August is more about preseason football for, for South Carolina, for programs all around the country. And a lot of – I know a lot of the high schools in the state of South Carolina started their practices this morning, their first practice of the preseason. So, basically, all the focus from now on is on football itself. Recruiting is going to be over-the-phone stuff, text, DM, no in-person recruiting until September. Now, when September hits, you're going to have prospects visiting for games. Official visits will come back, and uh, for the first time in in quite some time, coaches will be able to be on the road evaluating guys for high school football games, which will be a welcome return as well. But until then, about 20 prospects will be on campus on Saturday, Carolina Cookout event. Um, There's going to be basically a a food truck park sort of deal, food truck court, I guess is is the best way to say it, where where several – um, local food trucks are going to be there to provide food options for the guys. Um, golf cart tours, as you would suspect. Um, a scavenger hunt is optional. Now, most of these kids, Chris, have already been on South Carolina's campus. They've, they've been to Columbia before. They've, they've checked out some of what the school has to offer. There are some unique circumstances, though. A guy like Landon Sampson, he's committed to South Carolina, so this is where he wants to be. But he's never visited before. So he and his family will be in from Texas. It'll sort of be like a pseudo official visit. He's paying his way, family is paying their way, but they're going to get the complete, full, you know, see everything. For the other guys, it's going to be more about hanging around the pool, playing some games, playing some basketball, playing some cornhole, very laid back event. And Chris, to me, these, these events are all about relationship building and making players, you know, prospects, parents, everybody involved feel more comfortable with current players and with the coaches. And for, for that very reason, man, I think it's massive that Antonio Williams is uh, is scheduled to make an appearance at, at South Carolina's cookout on Saturday. 
Yeah, lots of guys. Um, like you said, man, most of them are guys that whether commitments or even the targets coming in for the 22 from the 22 class, which is a smaller group. Um, it, it is it is more they're guys that have been on campus. And so it's more about more face time. I think the largest group, Wes, out of anybody is the 2022 class that is already committed. Like if you segment it out of commitments from this class, targets, targets from the 23 class, targets from 24. I think the 2022 commitments, at least at last check, was kind of the largest group in number. And so that shows you that, you know, it's about kind of getting that face time and that bonding and it being not really a it is a visit. Right. But it's not, hey, let's learn more about this program. It's much more of just integrating the guys into your program and making them feel comfortable. And that's why it's big for, like you said, Antonio got DeAndre Martin defensive tackle from Virginia is obviously another big one camped with South Carolina, saw the facilities, earned an offer this summer in June, uh, but now a multi-day visit for him that'll culminate with the cookout on Saturday. And then a lot of 2023 and 2024 targets West. Most of those guys, not all, but most of those have been on campus already. And so it just kind of goes to show the, the legwork and the early work that South Carolina staff has put in with those guys, getting them back. You look at, Xavier McLeod and Josiah Thompson out of the state in the 23-24 classes, for example. A couple guys that just right off the top of my head, South Carolina's hosted these guys last month for camp. Now they're right back in July for this different type of event. Certainly a positive thing for their for their momentum and their chances with those guys. Yeah, Chris, Cam Pringle as well. I mean, you want to talk about maybe inserting yourself in a really solid spot with some – some big dudes in state that are, I think, potentially more than likely national level guys. I mean, Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, Xavier McLeod. These guys are dudes. Like they, they are the type of guys that you have to get into your program if you're going to change it around. And to their credit, to the credit of the staff, Greg Adkins, Jimmy Lindsay, they've done a great job of hopping in on those guys right off the bat, hopping in on them early. Um, you know, Cam Pringle, I, I still remember when I when I first met the kid in person, he did he said Florida was a school that he sort of grew up pulling for, grew up watching, if I remember correctly. So I still have my eyes on Florida. I think FSU with that offer and he visited there. They're probably a program to watch. Georgia has offered, he visited there, they're a program to watch. But I've I've actually heard some some pretty positive South Carolina buzz lately, Chris, about Cam Pringle. Um, Josiah Thompson, I if I was making a prediction now, it'd be that he, he ends up signing with South Carolina. Uh, Zay McLeod, if I was making a prediction now, it would be pretty strongly that he's going to end up at South Carolina. So they, they've actually put themselves in a position with some of these future national-level guys in state where early on um, they're certainly in it, and in some cases they're possibly in the lead, even though the kids are not saying that publicly. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that we've heard from a lot of people that we talk to. South Carolina, you know, has, they've made some headway in this 22 class with landing some guys that can be early players for them, be impact players for them, and they've got a chance at some really good players still in this class. We'll have to see how they finish. Not discounting that – uh, in our conversations with a lot of people we talk to that are kind of very familiar with the program, it, it tends to come back to, yeah, this class has a chance to be good, but we've had more time to work on 23 and 24 as far as those relationships. 
So those have a chance to be even better. Those have a chance to be the real headliners. And and when people say that, I tend to think of, you know, your top 15 class, maybe, heck, maybe you get into the top 10 or something uh, if you look at the rankings. And so they, they really have had, obviously there's tons of work going into 22. There has been, there still will be until the finish, but getting in on these guys early and building those relationships. Remember, this is a staff that, First time they've all been together. First time they've all been together at South Carolina coming out of the pandemic. You know, you had a year with no visits. That's critical for a staff and a program like this in this particular situation. So now that they have that, they're able to lure these guys, especially these in-state guys, for multiple visits in one summer. Then you got this season to get them in for games. They're off to a really good start. And so uh, whether it's in-state guys or some certain out-of-state guys from 23 or 24, they're, they're really doing well early, and they, they'll have a chance to go sign some of these. Chris, I think you were maybe first on this one. How about um, how about Xavier Hardy coming back to campus? This is the kid from Macon, Georgia, uh, yeah. defensive end prospect, massive dude, already a four-star, um, very impressive prospect, man. Yeah, this is another one that, you know, I remember talking to Xavier Back in the spring, we saw him at a camp, uh, not on South Carolina's campus, and he and he said, "Hey, I've got a really good relationship with Jimmy Lindsay. You know, he's been recruiting me hard. I like him." And so, fast forward to June, they're able to get Xavion Hardy on campus for an unofficial visit. He didn't work out at camp that day, but he was kind of walking around, had a really good trip, and they continued working on it. And once again, following that up with a, a different type of visit, but another visit this month. So, uh, there'll be some good competition for Xavion Hardy. He's a guy that. With his body type, he could play probably inside or outside, uh, may ultimately move to be an inside player, and uh, which shows by Jimmy Lindsay, coaches defensive tackles, is recruiting him for South Carolina. But, again, that's, that's another good example of you mentioned some in-state guys, then you mentioned an out-of-state guy in Savion Hardy. That's a guy that they've laid some groundwork with and that they're going to have a chance to go the distance with and be in that conversation until the end. Some, somebody, Chris, somebody asked me – this is an interesting question for you too – if you were going to go ahead and put rankings like rate uh, Pringle or rate Josiah Thompson at this early stage, what what are you what are you putting on them now, and how could you see that changing one way or the other? Ooh, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, it's it's hard to rank guys that early as a general rule for me, but when you see guys that have a chance to be that good and what they already are, then that's when I become more comfortable with it. I'd probably put like a higher four star rating on those guys. Like I think they can be top one hundred type players, prospects right now. Um, do both. Here's the thing that's always hard to remember, Wes, and and I've even seen it with myself with Cam Pringle because he's such a big kid and Thompson, but especially Pringle. I mean, if you said Pringle's a college sophomore, you'd say, okay, you know, it'd be easy. But he's so young. I mean, he's he just came off his freshman year. So, you know, you look at him and there's work to be done still from a technique standpoint or just becoming a better player. But having that size, the movement ability, all those kind of things, that's what makes you a good prospect and knowing of how young these guys are. So I think they can be right now probably top 100 type you know, prospects in my mind. Yeah, with, with Pringle, man, I I had a, a college coach that I said, I said, man, I said, I said, that Pringle kid, he looks like about one of the best looking offensive tackles I've ever seen. Uh, or that I said uh, that, that I've seen, and I was about to say this year, 
And you know how people will try to like complete your sentence. And uh, before I could say this year, the coach was like, ever? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. that too. Like as far as – I mean, he's one of those guys. I think we told this story before. At the Rivals camp, Pringle walks in. Again, people don't realize he's class of 2024, and they were still going, who is that kid? And yeah. Chris and I were like, that's Cam Pringle. He's from South Carolina. And uh, so yeah. the, the, the upside is off the charts. By the way, my answer to that question was – Right now on this day that I would have put for Pringle, I would have put a I think this is actually being conservative, a five, a five point nine four star for Pringle. Maybe I'd have been comfortable even going ahead and putting him as a six point oh four star with him being a guy that I was gonna watch very closely in the future. Cause I think the big thing for him is just to continue to gain strength, which again. He, you know, he's class of 2024. That's to be expected. Yep. But the upside, I mean, if this kid pans out, he's an NFL draft pick. Like, there's like that's not exaggerating. Um, can, I get, not, can I give my hot take? No, you go ahead. Go ahead on Thompson. Yeah, you can give your hot take. But Thompson, I said, again, I think you have to start a little bit conservative as young as they are. But – Saying either one of those kids is is already a four star, I don't think is some. You're not out on some limb. Like they're they're both plenty good enough to already said that. I was saying five point eight four star for Josiah to start, um, which for those who don't really follow recruiting, the rival system five it's five point eight, five point nine, and six point oh. Those are the four stars. Um, low four star, mid four star, high four star, and then a six point one in the rivals rating is a five star. So if you're a 6.0 four star, you have a you're in the conversation for five star. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say my my very early kind of hot take is I think Thompson could end up being ranked higher or develop into a better player even than Pringle. I think. Um, now, obviously, that's not that's probably not even a hot take. Yeah, okay, you're sitting here saying could and if, but I think a lot of people, and that's probably where it is now. Like if you're if you're ranking the top. O lineman in that class, uh, and by the way, Braylon Kitty from from Hilton Head's another you know good player who already has college offers, um, who, who's probably going to continue picking some up in that class from the Palmetto State. But Pringle's probably the guy right now. But Thompson, man, I really liked what I saw from him in camp this summer. If he continues to get stronger, develop like we think he can, but he, he's 15 years old, and so he probably will. And then we'll see where it goes. But barely 15 years old. I think he just. I think he had just turned 15 when um, yeah. Yeah. when that camp happened. Crazy. So that's crazy, man. But yeah, it, I've, I've never, I since we've been doing this, I've never seen the state of South Carolina have this many high level. There's been some guys, but not this many potentially like rivals 100, top 100 guys um, in the state at the same time, like in the same 2023 and 2024 will be the two most loaded classes of national level O-line guys I've ever seen our state have since I've been covering it. Travis says hot take Freeling is a five-star. Not a hot I, take. I was about to say, I, no. I think I'm sitting right there with you, man. Yeah. I, yeah. He, he's a, he's a 5.8 four-star on rivals. Way too low. He's, he's really good. 
He's really, really good. That dude is a monster. Yeah. He, he's a future five star. Like I I I think that's a pretty he just made it look easy, I thought, at camp. Didn't you think so, man? Like it was like he was shutting guys down, but it was it was sort of just like he's like, is is that like next? Oh, like that's I saw. Yeah. And and you know, in fairness, not, you don't always in those camps when it's not like a kind of one of these showcase camps, like a private one where you've got it's like almost all guys who are going to be college players and most of them are going to be power five players. And a lot of them are going to be, you know, SEC players. Um, it wasn't that. And so you can get, sometimes you can get a little bit full, but he, he did exactly what you would expect him to, which is completely dominate everybody. And like you said, he made it look easy. And then you look at the traits, like he's got the frame. He moves extremely well. He bends extremely well. Um, he can still get bigger and more powerful because he's still lean. Very impressive prospect. So I would not be surprised if he if he ultimately got there. No doubt. Um, all right, y'all. I, I think I think that's it for today. Well, real quick, let's answer a couple of questions. I saw Travis asked about um, Robbie Adl from Greenwood. I gotta think he's talking about Robbie Harrison. Um, Robbie's actually a class of twenty twenty two, right, Chris? Um, that's right. He, he's got some offers. Um, I believe South Florida has offered him as, as one of the maybe bigger ones, Western Kentucky, Kansas State. Um, Georgia had actually stepped up with an offer recently. Which re- was in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's that's Sometimes. the biggest one to date. Um, I South Carolina hasn't done a ton here, it, it would seem. Well, uh, for some reason I pressed the mute button. Uh, so – haven't done a ton. Um, someone that they did see in camp this summer. So uh, the, the Gamecock staff did get a look at Robbie Harrison. We actually saw him in, in the spring at Rivals Camp West. And he's a he's a big kid, you know, who's a, who's a really good kid. So uh, it looks like he's going to have some options. Um, I don't expect South Carolina to be among those. They appear to be focused more on other guys, even in in-state West. You know, they had been more focused on Davin Jackson from Sumter, who they had offered. But, again, as another guy that's kind of a wait and see because you've got a DeAndre Martin out of Virginia who's visiting this weekend. Uh, you got Jamari Lyons out of Florida that South Carolina is going to go the distance for. So, uh, not really a, a player uh, that we're tracking in Robbie Harrison in terms of South Carolina right now, but someone who's definitely going to be going somewhere, you know, to play college football out of Emerald there. Yeah, we had a question about Rico Walker, uh, 2023 kid. Um I know that name. I'm not really dialed in. He's, I think he's a big time player from what I've heard. Do, do you know off the top of your head who to watch yeah. there? Chris? Potential, potential can do a bunch of different things out of uh, Hickory, North Carolina, and actually trains with a group that out of Virginia at times that went around and visited a bunch of schools this summer. And it looked like at one point they were going to make a stop at South Carolina. That group was, but uh, and Walker would have been there, but did not happen. But I think somebody that they may be ultimately able to get in for a visit maybe sometime this season, uh, if not next year at some point. But I'd say right now some other schools probably a little bit farther ahead just because they've gotten him on campus. But he, he is someone that we're monitoring when it comes to South Carolina. All right, y'all, we appreciate the support. As always, sorry for the technical difficulties there. Um, we work through them the best we can. Sometimes, sometimes you have those. But 
I think the the latter part of the show, um, I think it smoothed out. So hopefully y'all are able to hear us. If if there were issues, um, go back, listen to it on the podcast. I'm going to go try to clean up some of that stuff. But uh, for Chris, I'm Wes. Y'all come hang out with us on GamecockCentral.com this weekend. We'll have hopefully some good reporting from the uh, Carolina cookout. And then, of course, we will see you all on Monday. Uh, again, y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you then.